We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. John Truckery Show, live on this Wednesday evening with you as Falcons uh, continue to get ready for the Seattle Seahawks before heading back home. Busy week in this first couple of weeks of the NFL. A lot of good storylines out there. Let's head out to the waitfor.com hotline. Excuse me. We uh, talk to this guy pretty regularly through the NFL season. Josh Alper joining us. Of course, one of the writers for Pro Football Talk. Profootballtalk.com is where you can check out his work and follow him on Twitter at Josh Alper. Josh, as always, man, appreciate a few minutes here in Atlanta with us this evening. My pleasure. Let's start with the local team. Um, you know, obviously, look, 0-2 is 0-2. This is a net results business. But I think a lot of us here locally see that there are some signs that there are some better days coming and some things that are better than last year. If nothing else, at least their lines of scrimmage look like they're more competent this year. What have been your kind of general thoughts about what you've seen from the Falcons this first couple of weeks? You know, they played one good game. You know, they played one good half in each game. And, you know, I, I think that you want to extend it a little bit in the, in the New Orleans game, although I, I would say really it's the second and third quarters of that game that were good. Um, and they, they have shown you those kinds of things. Like, I, I, Corderell Patterson, I, I know, is not one of the young guys, but, uh, you know, I, I marveled at him in the New Orleans game. And, but, yeah, London at, at receiver looks good. That, as you said, that the lines are competent. There's, there's less of this feeling that, that things are just going to cave in at any minute. Now, that, you know, for a lot of the Rams game, it kind of felt that way. But getting off the mat there and, and showing that fight is – those are good things. Those are good signs. But, you know, I think ultimately the, the falling short part is, is the part that, uh, that carries over. And, and you'd love to see – you know, I just would love to see more Kyle Pitts. Uh, uh, you know, obviously London's done, done a nice job. Really, those two, the development of those two players and the development of those sort of core, you know, core pieces on the line in the front seven that, um, you know, you want to come out of this season with. Because I, I don't think this season's ending in a playoff spot for Atlanta. You know, Josh, the big debate here in Atlanta is, you know, if and when you pull the trigger on sitting Mariota and, and putting in Desmond Ritter. And, you know, it, it seems like the league goes through phases. You know, sometimes you draft quarterbacks and they play right away. Then other times of the NFL, you draft quarterbacks and they don't play right away. Even if, even first rounders and stuff, it, it kind of seems to fluctuate. It doesn't seem like there's any kind of real clear path, but – you know, obviously, at some point, we expect Ritter to get on the field. I wonder if that's going to be sooner rather than later, depending on how this season kind of keeps Domino falling forward. Well, I, I think the thing you want to avoid with, with Ritter or really any rookie quarterback is putting them in, in a situation where they can't 
develop because it's so bad around them that they're worrying about running for their lives or, or they have no one to throw to and, and no running game to support them, things like that. I think if the Falcons get to a point in midseason and they, they look sort of like the team we see now and, you know, they're three and seven and, and they just don't have enough to put them over the top most weeks, but they have enough to put up a, a competitive showing and, and a good effort, then I think you could go to Desmond Ritter for the rest of the season and feel good about the evaluation you're going to be able to do of him. But if, if things were to go south and you have injuries and, and, and things just start to look like, hey, they may wind up within the first overall pick in this draft. I, I mean, I guess you got to take a look at him at some point, but I don't know how representative a look it would be. Josh Alper from ProFootballTalk.com joining us here on the WaitFord.com hotline. Let's bounce around the league uh, a, a little bit. Are the Dolphins building themselves into one of those kinds of teams you wouldn't want to play in the playoffs that maybe they're not great and maybe they're not, you know, the best at, at any one particular thing, but they do enough good things and they make enough plays that they feel like that they can beat just about anybody, you know, on a week-to-week basis, but you wonder consistently can they go out and beat all the good teams. Yeah, I would wonder about the consistency, but I don't. I, I think that the thing that jumped off the page the first two weeks is is the, just the team speed, and it's everywhere. It's on offense, it's on defense, and you know, particularly on offense, they're making greater use of it than they they did certainly the last couple of years. Some of these players were here already, but between Tyreek Hill and, and Jalen Waddle and Chase Edmonds. They brought in guys who who can really just move, and and you can see how much that is impacting the way they call games, and it impacts going into a game like last week where you're down 35-14, and you say, we're not out of it because we can score super quickly. And I think that's the thing that's going to make them dangerous all season. Now, I I think the league will adjust. I don't think two is throwing six touchdowns every week. But, you know, when you have that kind of speed at your disposal – you're a tough team to beat. Another team that has that is the Bills. That's going to be a fascinating game this weekend. Yeah. What do we, I mean, is that AFC East, uh, obviously the, the Jets pulled off a miracle on Sunday. You know, the Patriots have a win. Buffalo and in, in Miami is 2-0. and Is that, I'm not going to say it's the best division in football. I think, the, I think the AFC West is probably that. And I don't know, maybe you got something else, but it does really feel like that that has a chance to be a, I want to say, I'm going to say a sneaky good division, but I know the Bills are cream of the crop in the NFL. But if we look at it from the depth of that division, that division's got a chance to maybe do some things this year. Yeah, and I, and I think it's a division where, you know, so, so maybe not the way the AFC West is, but in the AFC East, I think it's very easy to make the case that you had four teams that got better this offseason. Now, the Patriots. The offensive coaching questions are obvious and, and they're real, but, you know, they, they had a good draft last year. Guys are a year older. Um, that's clearly a team that, that, you know, even in that game against Miami, they're not a team that looks, uh, you know, that they can't win games. Um, it's just it's going to be a slog. And I think that's true to the Jets also, but the Jets clearly have a better roster than they've had in years. Um, I do think that there's a, you know, a realm where Miami could challenge Buffalo this year. I, I do think the consistency is something you haven't seen. And, and at this point, the Bills have been so far and away better than any other team in the league that it, it's hard to see that happening over a 17-week season. But I think the Dolphins could certainly win this game this weekend, and, and that would make for a much more interesting year in the division. 
Josh Halper from Pro Football Talk joining us here on the WaitFor.com hotline. Is is there any chance that the way that with this is gone for Tom Brady that he plays again next year? I, I mean, I know we're not doing the farewell tour, and I know he's you know non-committal, but boy, it's just the soap opera and the drama. I wonder why he would even want to go through another year of this just to play football. Yeah, I, I feel the same way, and and it's, especially if you look at this Buccaneer situation now, where, where every receiver's hurt, you've lost offensive linemen. Now, I I think there's a you know a very good chance they're two and zero, and the team is going to figure it out. So he's a, the greatest quarterback of all time. It's a good team. They have a strong defense, even if the offensive pieces fall, but. I don't know why you'd want to continue going through this. Now, you know, if you could plug into a team where you had just tons of stars around you at every spot and, and maybe it was going to be a, you know, one last run at, at what you feel like is an easy championship, but it doesn't, that's not the route the Bucks are going in and not even going to go down the road of playing the game of where else he could go, but it, it just doesn't feel like it's worth it anymore. And clearly if, if it's impacting his personal life, um, what is there left to do in, in, in the NFL arena that's worth risking stuff on that side of your life? Josh, I mean, obviously it was an awful story seeing what happened to Trey Lance and obviously seeing his ending surgery and everything happening. But that franchise, for whatever reason, those guys really do rally around Jimmy Garoppolo. And, look, I understand you didn't draft Trey Lance to, to sit him behind anybody. But boy, that's a Super Bowl ready team. That I, I don't, I, I don't know how you say this without it just coming across negative. But they feel like that they run efficient with Jimmy Garoppolo, and it feels like that team really does rally around him when he is their quarterback. Yeah, and I, I think it, they know who they are with Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback. They don't know who they are with Trey Lance as their quarterback. They never got a chance to find out, for better or for worse. Uh, and so I think it's it's very comfortable. It's it's a a nice comfort to have. It's something that um, you know, most teams that lose a quarterback would dream about having something like that available. So it it really worked out perfectly for them. And I I, I do think it's hard to to not make it about Lance because we just don't know enough about Trey Lance as a football player yet to say what what the answers to these questions would be. But it's clear that, you know, they got right back into that system they were using last year. A lot of Debo, a lot of running backs in and out of the game. Uh, that defensive line, you know, getting up early and letting that defensive line tee off on people. It, it's it's a good formula. It's a reason it works. And, you know, they went to a Super Bowl and a conference championship game in the last three seasons. So they have every reason to be confident they can succeed. Josh, how good are the Eagles? Uh, are they – at the very top of the NFC right now? I think they're a very, very good team. And I think that it's you, – you watch Jalen Hurts on, on Monday night and, and you think about what, what that could mean if, if that's the player you're going to get all season and, and um, that you're talking about top five quarterback, if that's the case. You're talking about uh, an offense that's uh, almost unstoppable and, and that – you know, that in the NFC is, is hard to find. You know, the, the Bucks, the Rams, the Packers, you, you have these older teams that are trying to make sure they still have all the pieces in place. Obviously, the 49ers just had this quarterback change. Uh, you know, the, the Cardinals, 
you know, what a remarkable comeback, but they were pretty close to 0-2 and, and, and people starting to throw nails in their coffin. Um, so it's hard, it's hard for me to come up with an argument for anyone other than the Eagles as the best team in the NFC now. But they are, you know, there's a lot of horses left, and when you're playing these veteran teams, they, they tend to know how to finish strong. Josh, the point differential for the Colts in this 0-1-1 start is pretty staggering that I don't think we expected it to be. For not just the record, but I mean they're they're 24 more points given up than than they've scored. If this thing gets sideways over these next few games, and look, obviously we we watch Matt Ryan and and are are vested into seeing what he's going to do this year. But is Frank Reich one of those guys that he's not going to survive if they get off to a bad start? Considering that this could be multiple years of let's go out and get that franchise changing quarterback, and our team just falls on its face. Yeah, uh, I, I don't, you know, there's no way to sugarcoat it. The, the team has not moved forward. And anytime you don't move forward, you're in trouble as a coach. And, you know, you're, it's not unsalvageable at this point, but if you went out and got Phillip Rivers and it didn't get it done, you went out and got Carson Wentz and didn't get it done, you went out and got Matt Ryan and didn't get it done, I, I think it's beyond right. It's, it, it's also the GM, Chris Ballard, that you have not gone all in. You've built this wonderful roster. Uh, just a, a really fantastic roster full of Pro Bowl players, and you've refused to go all in on a quarterback move that would separate you from the pack. And and now, you know, it just looks like they're flailing again. And it, it's it's a lot to come out of. And and maybe Matt Ryan needs a little bit more time to get used to where he is. Maybe it's you you didn't help with Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce missing last week, and you've had guys in and out of the lineup. But they've got to figure it out quick. Because I think it is one of those situations where I, I don't know that he gets fired during the season, but the entire theme of the season would switch to job security. Last question, Josh. Bigger surprise, Bengals at 0-2 or the Giants at 2-0? Uh, the, it's a good question. I, I, I think that the, the Giants at 2-0, simply because they, they've shown – Outside of Saquon Barkley having a good game in the in the first game, um, no signs of improvement as an offense, and you know, uh, re- you know, really kind of poor stuff. And and would have thought that a road game against the Titans would have would have done them in. Whereas the Bengals, uh, uh, you know, leaving out the fact that Dak Prescott didn't play, but if you went into the season and said you're going to lose to the Steelers and lose in Dallas, it wouldn't be that shocking. I, I think it's surprising the Bengals haven't done any better in fixing their pass protection. But, you know, I, I thought the Giants had a chance to be the worst team in the league. So the fact that they've won two games already is, is a pretty big shock. On Twitter, at Josh Alper. Check out his work at profootballtalk.com and join us on the waitfor.com hotline. Josh, as always, man, appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes in Atlanta. We'll chat again soon. Great. Have a good one. You got it. John Chuckery. We'll be back. Sports Radio 99 The Game and the Odyssey.com app. Clear for everyone to see Oh baby Yeah You gotta rock your way to this one oh, come on see, I don't know about y'all But I know about us And uh It's the only way we know how to rock I don't know about y'all But I know about us And uh It's the only way we know how to rock Selling a little Or a lot 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Back to more John Chuckery. We've heard so much about you. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Oh, yeah, man. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back out on the John Chuckery Show. Brown Liquor Music Hour rolling right along. Uh, we're going to replay our interview with Tori McElhaney coming up at 1040. So if you missed that earlier in the show, going to replay that as we get you ready for Falcons football coming up on Sunday. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app site catches on the go. Social media is at 9 to on the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And I'm at JMCH316. He's at underscore Dylan Matthews. Don't forget, uh, NFL football coming up tomorrow. Uh, are you out? I was talking to Day Day yesterday. Are you out on Friday? I like, am are, going are out you, this are Friday. Are you out? Okay. Yep. Because yep. you've been in studio so far for the high school yes. football show. Yep. Yep. Where, where are you headed to? I'm where, going I, to. He told me where you're headed. I'm, I'm going to the Lovett game. Okay. Yeah. That's yep. right. Yep. So, because uh, he's going out to Carrollton. Day Day's headed yeah. to Carrollton. He's going to my old stomping grounds. Yeah. So, he's headed toward Alabama. So, yep. mm-hmm. uh, so don't forget the high school football show. Chris Parker, Sam uh, Crenshaw, and a, a cast of characters, misfit characters uh, at that. Hey, uh, Mike Valenti and Jim Costa have the Cash the Ticket podcast, your podcast to help you bet smarter on both pro and college football games. New episodes come out every Thursday and Friday. Follow the uh, Cash the Ticket uh, podcast for free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast from. You know, the Braves took it on the chin today, and earlier in the show, Chris Willis and I were talking a little bit about this. You know, we've talked about how deep the Braves lineup is. So this is Austin. Now, this does not count today, okay? We know they lost today and this, that, and the other, okay? So we're taking today out of it. But going into today, 
Austin Riley in the 54 games since the All-Star break is hitting, he's hit 262 with 10 homers and 31 RBI. That ain't a lot. He had 27 homers at the break. He's had 10 since then. Scored 30 runs. He's got a 490 slugging with a 348 on base. 838 OPS. Not great, but nothing to write home about. Certainly not compared to his first part of the season, right? Matt Olson since the All-Star break. Are you all sitting down? 201 batting average. Now, he was 0 for 3 today, so he's pushing toward below 200 since the All-Star break. 201 bat- Yeah. 201 batting average, 284 on base percentage, 402 slugging, 686 OPS. He's got 11 homers, believe it or not, more than Riley does, 31 RBI, 33 runs scored. So neither guy, with all due respect, those two guys combined since the All-Star break are 21 homers and 62 RBI. Can I tell you, that's not even as good as what Austin Riley himself was before the All-Star break. But you know what? The Braves in those 54 games, 37 and 17. Now think about that. Your number three and four hitter haven't combined put up the same level of stats as what one of those guys did in the first half of the season. And you're still... 20 games above 500 in that stretch where you've gotten little and at times no contribution from your three and not we're, we're not talking about your eight and nine hitter. We're talking about a lineup where your three and four hole hitters haven't given you much in at times bupkis and you're 20 games above 500 in that stretch. What does that tell you about a few things? Number one, how deep the lineup is at the very top and the very bottom of the order. Because, again, in the second half of the season, you got to throw Ozuna and people like that in the mix as well as kind of in the middle of your order. But the additions of Grossman and Vaughn and Harris and those guys hitting at the bottom of the order and Rosario coming back and playing. And then what Ronnie and Dansby, for all their struggles and all this, that, and the other, what Ronnie and Dansby have done at the top of the order. That says a lot about what your lineup is able to do, that your, again, let me repeat, your three-hole and your four-hole hitter have given you very little in the second half of the season. Now, the other part of that is you mix in Spencer Strider, Max Freed, Kyle Wright, Charlie Morton getting some things figured out. Right? You start adding in all of those guys getting it figured out as your starters. You know, you don't have to score hollow. Here's, here's a great theory about baseball. Ready? They, they should make me an Odyssey MLB insider for this. You don't have to score a lot of runs if you don't give up a lot of runs. See how that works? That's, that's pretty good, huh? You ain't got to score a whole lot, Dylan, if you don't give up much. You, you're not going to hear that inside anywhere else no, on won't. John Chuckers' yeah. show. Listen, you can't go on the first and pod and the Peachtree pod and the and the Pissant pod and all this other stuff we got <laughs> going on that we're reading through. <laughs> so if you combine the depth of this lineup and how good the pitching staff has been, it tells you a lot about how good the Braves really are. Because let's think about it. 
How many teams – look, Aaron Judge has had a monster second half, right? And you saw Stanton last night hit the walk-off Grand Slam. Second time they've walked off Grand Slam this year. What do they call that? The ultimate slam or whatever it's called or whatever like that. But think about most – not most. Think about every good team in baseball. And you told their three- and four-hole hitter, you ain't going to do nothing for a whole half of the season. How many teams would be 20 games over 500 if you told their, if their three- and four-hole hitter didn't really perform? Didn't give you a whole lot. Certainly didn't give you what they gave you. I mean, again, 22 and 62, Riley was better than that in the first half by himself. And hit for a higher average. So... It's pretty remarkable about where the Braves are. Now, this is the funny thing about sports, right? Are the Braves a better team this year than they were last year? Yes, they are. But you know what? Doesn't mean they'll win the World Series. Doesn't guarantee that you win the World Series. The one good thing about baseball that kind of helps separate is baseball series. It's not like the NFL. It's a one and done, okay? And and let's face it. Usually in the NFL, you're, you're, when you're one and done, the best team will win more of those. But you still get plenty of, you know, wild cards and upsets and stuff like that, right? The Giants beating the Patriots, right? You still get some of that stuff. Baseball tends to level itself out because when you play three, five, and seven-game series, you start to separate the depth and the quality and this, that, and the other from one another. But it really is remarkable. It is. It's a testament to how good this team is. It's a testament to how deep this lineup is that even with the manager trotting those guys out every single day, every single night, no matter what, you're hot, you're cold, you're in between, right? You're Katy Perry. You're hot, then you're cold. You're bald, you're bald then you're bold, and, you know, you change your mind more than a girl changes clothes, right? You trot the and you got most of that song right. Yes, huh? You got most of that song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like that song. I'm telling you, good song. Her two best songs were the first two songs she ever released, because that "I Kiss the Girl" that's the best song she's ever done. Oh yeah, that's a banger. Yeah, that's the best song she's done. And then and then she followed it up with that with that song. The the you're hot, you're cold, you're bold, you're bold, you're bold and bold and. Whatever else. You're changing clothes you're like a yes, chick. yes, then you're no. Yeah. You're yes, then you're no. You're high, <laughs> then you're sky, and whatever else they got going on over there. <laughs> but those guys have played every day since the All-Star break. So it's not like they missed a week here, a week there. No, no, they've played. It, it says a lot about how good the Braves are. I don't know what it means for the postseason. I don't know if it means that the Braves are going to win the World Series. But when you think about the fact that even if you don't have those guys hot, right, in the postseason, the Braves have figured out a way to win a whole crap ton of games. Now, look, this is also the difference about the playoffs. Dylan, ask me what you don't get to play in the playoffs. What don't you get the to play Pirates, in the playoffs? The Pirates, the Marlins, <laughs> the Nationals, the, the Scuzzbag Oakland A's, the Dirtbag Pirates, the Fleabag Marlins. The god-awful Colorado Rockies, the Scuzz Bucket Arizona Diamondbacks. You don't get to play all the, the, the barf bag Cincinnati Reds. You don't play all of those teams. 
the 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 uh, the goop and muck in your gutter, Chicago Cubs. You don't get to play those teams. Now it's the Mets and the Dodgers and the Padres and all those teams. So sometimes that can be harder to get away with, obviously. But it should definitely give Braves fans some confidence about the idea of even without Olsen and Riley doing things that we know that they can do and being a part of this. And and I'll be honest with you. I keep going back and forth about what Matt Olsen's season has been. Look, he's going to be 30 and 100, okay? If if you said now, I I know on the morning show, Hugh and Freaky, yeah, spray chart, uh, we got the, uh, the did you see his, yeah, him, Freaky Deaky Leaky, his spray chart and all that stuff, right? Remember all that? I remember that conversation. I heard that. I heard that for weeks in spring training. Ah, uh, spray chart. He might hit. He might hit seventy. Hugh. John Freaky. Yeah, him. But he's still going to be thirty and a hundred. That ain't nothing to sneeze at. If you told me my first base was going to be thirty and a hundred, you'd take that. It's the pathway at which they got there that you just scratch your head and you rub your forehead at times, right? It's hard to believe how we got to this point. Riley the same way. Riley's going to be, you know, 30 and 100. Maybe 40 and 100. You know, he might be 40 and 100 at third base. But he's definitely not been the same player this last month or two. Especially, go look at those guys' numbers from August to, to, to where we're at right now. It's really not good. Olsen's been a disaster. In the month of September, Olsen's been a disaster. There's no way to sugarcoat it. He's not been a good offensive player, and he's not been a good defensive player. But they're winning. That's the remarkable part. They keep finding way. Yeah, they lost today. They were five and one on this homestand, and they got and and everybody got all excited because Matt Olson had two hits on Monday. First time he'd had two hits in like a month and a half or something crazy, and we were celebrating it as if it was Mardi Gras. And they're still winning, and they're finding a way to do it. Their starting staff, the depth of their lineup, especially at the bottom and at the very top. That's that. You, you look for things that you say. What are the straws that stir the drink? Well, that's those two. Those two guys at the top of the lineup, and those two guys that have been hitting at the bottom. I mean, mostly Harrison and Grissom at the bottom of that lineup. That's what's stirring the drink a lot. And finding ways to get on base and get it done, and you get a you know you get a Riley here, you get a Olson here, you get a Contreras here, you get a Darno there, and then again you ain't got to score many runs if your pitching staff is striking out 14, 15, 16 guys when they go out and pitching six innings and giving up two hits and a run, you ain't got to score a whole lot at that point. So it's pretty remarkable what the Braves have been able to do without a ton from Matt Olson and from Austin Riley. And hopefully that, you know, listen, hopefully if those guys just get anything going, get semi-hot, think about how much better this lineup will be at that point going into the postseason. Because, by the way, 13 games. Can I tell you that will be over with in a, in a, in a it'll be over quick. 13 games? I mean, they got four with Philadelphia. So by the time we catch you back up, they're down to just, you know, nine games at that point. Well, they'll be less than that because we come back on Tuesday. They'll, they'll be like eight or nine games at most. 
That's it. All right, we had a chance to catch up with Tori McElhaney earlier in the show. We'll play that interview for you when we get back, talk some Falcons football, and get you ready for Sunday in Seattle. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios. Sports right now to the game, Odyssey.com app. Back to more John Chuckery. No, 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 I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. The game back out on the John Chuckery Show, live in the Kia Studios, Wednesday night with you. That music means one thing. It is our Wednesday weekly conversation as we head out to the waitfor.com hotline with the lady who covers all things Atlanta Falcons for AtlantaFalcons.com. That's where you can check out all of her work. Tori McElhaney joining us. Of course, she is on Twitter at Tori underscore McElhaney. And Tori, I guess I probably should have. Are you out in Seattle? Are you hanging out uh, there for this week as well? I sure am. Just got back from practice at the University of Washington not too long ago. So we're yeah, we're all the way in Seattle. I've had I've gone to like six different coffee shops and we've only been here for three days. So yeah. that should tell you something. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna ask you about, you know, I mean you gotta be I mean, are you getting what, about seven minutes of sleep a night because you got so much caffeine in you? I mean Pretty much. I mean, that, that's the thing is, like, I keep, I want to try all of the coffee shops, but, like, my body can't handle that. So I'm really having to pace myself. Nice. Nice. <laughs> well, let's uh, – speaking of body shops, let's talk about where this team is. You know, I just brought up, Tori, I, I went through a bunch of stats. Um, you know, A.J. Terrell's given up 10 receptions already after only giving up 29 for the entire last year. Fourth highest completion percentage. Seventh most completions in the league. Fifth most first down plays. The pass defense, if we shall say, has been a little bit underwhelming this year. And A.J. Terrell and Casey Hayward, while they have gotten some INTs, but you look at their pro football focus grades, you look at the stats defensively, I know the narrative isn't written, but this pass defense feels like that this is one of those things that they've got to get corrected and and get this thing a little bit more on track considering how good their two corners are. Yeah, I think that's the whole that that to me is is the discouraging part about this is that you go into this season and even in the preseason and you feel if you're the Falcons, you feel like you have one of the best cornerback duos in the league with Casey Hayward and AJ Terrell just for what they have done over the course of, you know, Casey's long career, AJ's relatively short career. But but you felt so good about those two guys going into this year and feeling like the secondary was the strongest part of this team on both sides of the ball. And then the first two games are, are a little bit lackluster. And, and you wonder, like, was all that preseason hype just uh, just hype and, and with no substance in it? It does, I think, freak you out initially. But I, I do think that there are still things that can be done. I do think that there it's still early in the season. We are only two games in, and I know that's something that I say to people who are freaking out over Kyle Pitts' lack of targets over the course of the first two games. I'm like, look, this is two games. There's still there's still so much more that we have in this season to look out for. And I don't think if we're talking about Casey Hayward and we're talking about AJ Terrell, 
I don't think what we've seen in them in the first two games is indicative of what we will see when the season ends. Like when we look back on their season as a whole in 2022, I don't think that it will look like these first two games. I think it will look more like what we've seen them be in years past. And I think, I don't know what it's going to take to get to that point. Maybe it's just settling in a little bit more into the defense because this is a defense that has a lot of new faces, nine new starters on, on that defense. So I don't know what has to happen, but I, I do think that I'm not ready to pull the ripcord just yet. Troy McElhaney from AtlantaFalcons.com joining us on the WaitFor.com hotline. So let's talk about Pitts for a second. This is the thing. I'm with you. I, I'm not concerned about the number of targets and things like that, okay? There, there's many factors. That's Smith, that's Pitts, that's Mariota, that's a little bit of everybody. But yep. this is where I'm concerned, though, Tori, is – your red zone offense is not going to get better if Kyle Pitts is not involved in that. And and that's where mm-hmm. the problem becomes is you have zero targets out of Kyle Pitts in the first two games in the red zone. That stat mm-hmm. is not going to get better as far as red zone efficiency and things like that until he gets involved in it. And And that's the thing to me that is a little bit concerning is I, I love the fact that London caught his first touchdown, 12 targets. And I'm not even mad at the 10 targets for Pitts. It's the zero in the red zone. That's where I have my concerns because if that doesn't change, then all this other stuff is probably not going to change with it. Yeah, well, it's interesting because, I mean, I know you remember this, and I'm sure everybody listening also remembers this. When you're going through the pre-draft process of Kyle Pitts, every single evaluator analysis was about the threat that he was when you get inside the 20 Mm -hmm. and then you go through 2021 and he has one touchdown one and then you go into the first two games of the 2022 season hoping that you see a stark difference in the red zone with Kyle Pitts production and then he's not thrown to at all and that I think you're absolutely right that that's the most discouraging part because you know the asset we've seen the asset that Kyle Pitts can be in the red zone simply from what he did at Florida. And you want to be able to get your best playmaker the ball inside the red zone. Something else that I've been looking at a lot is, so of Kyle Pitt's 10 targets, eight of the 10 have been from a separation of one to three yards. Personally, I think Kyle Pitts is at his best when you have less than a yard of separation from the defender. When you're throwing up a 50-50 ball and you're six six tight end can go up and get it because that's Kyle Pitts' game. The fact that I think there's like what you're saying, there's a lot of things going on. And when you shrink the field, you think you're going to get more of those 50-50 balls, those those tight windows of which you're talking about. And so I think that goes back to a lot of different things. And I, I do wonder a lot over the course of the last two games, like how much is it of Marcus Mariota not wanting to throw into traffic and how much of it is Kyle getting the right angles on his routes? Like all, all of those things. And it, I think it just continues to become a not bigger issue. That's not the right word I'm looking for, but it becomes more noticeable when you do shrink the field down inside the 20. And, and so I'm, I'm on the same page as you. I think when, when you think about Kyle Pitts, you think about what, what an asset he could be in the red zone, especially when you have Drake London on the field with him. Uh, Tori, give me just a second to kind of put the context into this because, so 
I think that this Sunday is becoming must win and not because of what your record is or playoffs or whatever from, from that standpoint of it. But I do think, though, that given the way the first couple of games have gone and you're talking about one more game on the road, but then it's coming home to play a Cleveland team that, let's face it, even without Deshaun Watson, you're going to be an underdog. They're a very talented team, one of the best running attacks, maybe the best running back duo in the in the NFL, certainly as good a pass rush duo. I know Colony's out this week, but he's going to be probably back next week with the ankle. But you come home and you're 0-3. I think you have a hard time at that point trying to just send the message to your fan base of just rally the troops and things like that. I think this Sunday, a winnable game, Seattle's not been any great shakes, especially offensively. I think if nothing else, to keep your fan base rallied, to kind of get some goodwill amongst your players, this Sunday kind of becomes a must win for those reasons. Yeah, no, I I I'm on the exact same page. I definitely think so as well. I mean, you think about it too. The Falcons have not put together a complete game yet. If we're being honest, I mean that we've seen them play three good quarters against the saints and we've seen them play a quarter and a half against the Rams. We have not seen a four quarter game in which this Falcons team has looked the part from top to bottom and not made mistakes in the red zone or made costly turnovers, those type of things. That, that that narrative needs to change. I know Arthur Smith uses that word all the time, but I mean, it, you ha- when you look at this team, it's like you have to say that you, you you can't overlook that that they have not put together four quarters. And I think you know I was talking to Lorenzo Carter earlier this week when we first got to Seattle, and I asked him about the way that he looked at this defense, and he said, and I thought this was a really good quote. He was like, "We've seen flashes of the unit that we can be." And, and I asked some other offensive guys that question, too. Like, have you seen flashes of who you can be? And they're like, yes. And it's like everybody's saying the same thing. We've seen flashes, but we have not consistently played with the lights on for four quarters. I mean, if they can go and do that against Seattle, I think they have a really good chance not only to, one, win that game, but to leave Seattle feeling that they are in a much better position. And Because I, I do think that this 0-2 start, does feel different than last season's 0-2 start. But this year, they've been in games. They've fought back, and, and they it, you're talking about a separation of points like less than five. And so for that reason, I feel like you do feel a little bit different right now than you did at this time last year, but you've got to go and get that first win. You just do. It's our weekly Wednesday conversation with Tori McElhaney from AtlantaFalcons.com, and she joins us on the WaitFor.com hotline. I know you and I talked about Tyler Algier. It was good to see him get some action. That's about right where I thought he'd be is around 8 to 10 carries. Look, I know it's not eye-popping stats and things like that, but had a nice, you know, couple of runs, nine-yard run. That was his long run. You know, for a guy just getting his feet wet in the NFL, I really think, and I'm excited, I think we're both excited about the idea of Let's see him develop a bigger role. Let's see him be a, be a bigger part of this offense. Because, again, we talk about red zone. This is a guy who can run it between the tackles, and he scored a crap ton of touchdowns in college. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I think we probably, if the score is closer against the Rams and the Falcons are not having to, you know, work back into the game and, and go pretty quickly, 
I think you probably do see more of Tyler Algier. You know, they had to go away from the run in the second half in order just to, gosh, get back in the game. So I am really excited to see what a full game of a balanced offense looks like for, you know, for Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson to get more involved and to, and to see that because I do think that Tyler Algier did some good things in pass protection on Sunday that, you know, maybe added some trust back into what he does. Not saying that the coaching staff lost trust. That's not what I'm saying. But when you have a running back that can go out there and, you know, put a lick on Aaron Donald and in his rookie year, you know, that's going to, that's going to go a long way. I think in terms of putting him out there and seeing him out there, because you have coaches who trust that he can go out and, perform in those situations that he's not necessarily the focal point of so I I too am really excited about seeing potentially more of Tyler Algier come this Sunday in Seattle Sports Radio 92.9 the game are wrapping things up here on the John Chuckery show as we always do with that love TKO we'll kind of set the schedule for the rest of the week here in just a second or two but JR Sports Brief coming up next Before we get out of here, though, let me let you have a listen to what is the greatest opening lyric in all of music history. All right, so no show tomorrow. We got NFL football. No show Friday. We got the high school scoreboard show. Um, Good stuff there, by the way, guys. You guys are doing a good job with all that. So, And then I'll be back with you, me, Chris Goforth, Randy Mack, Saturday morning, College football game time, the best college football show in the Milky Way galaxy. Not we're not we're we're beyond America, North America, even the in the world. multiverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The best sport, uh, best college football show in the multiverse. And and we don't have Doctor Strangelove or She Hulk or Aquaman or anybody like that hanging around us. And then Hugh Douglas and I Sunday afternoon because it's obviously a late game. We'll get you ready for Falcons foosball with the Wade Ford tailgate show. So I believe that is 12, 12 to 225, I believe, is the Wade Ford show this uh, Sunday because 425 kick this week for the Atlanta Falcons, the national game of the week or I don't, whatever they got going on uh, anyway. So, all right, we got to get out of here. So I'll catch you on Saturday morning. For Dylan, it's Chuckery. We'll see you. Bye. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.